You're listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to weareredwood.org. We hope that the message that you're about to hear will strengthen you, encourage you, and make you more like Jesus. Blessings. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate that. Take your Bibles, please. Turn to Mark chapter number 5. Mark chapter number 5. And as you're turning there, I want you to I want you to think about I want you to think about Christianity in that in those early settings of you know Christ and just the new the newness of it the new message of you know the kingdom and repentance and acceptance found in Christ, and you think about the radical teachings that Jesus would have taught his disciples, and one of those radical teachings that Jesus would have taught was that you and I are to love our neighbor, and in loving our neighbor, they would try to trap the Pharisees and the scribes, they, they, they would try to trap Jesus. And they would bring up, well, am I to even love my enemy and this and that. And what Jesus was literally teaching, he was teaching such, such radicalness in that you and I were to, were to love everyone. And uh, you and I, we woke up, actually we experienced yesterday and most likely being on uh, western time zone here, we woke up to a second shooting in our country in the last 24 hours. And our hearts break for the chaos and the hatred that is so rampant in our country. And one of the things that I'm so thankful for is I'm thankful to be a part of a church and to be a part of a body like this, a local body that, that just loves people. No matter, no matter what their skin color is, no matter what their language is, you take even our, our, our beautiful worship team up here and how you have Guamanian and Hispanic and African American and Caucasian and Filipino and I'm just I love that. And here's what I want you to here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that that, that Redwood so desires to be a place that uh, denounces hatred and racism of any kind. And I want to I just want to I just want to thank you for being a place that that truly loves our neighbor. And this week where people are scared to come into public settings because of uh, what is going on, I, I pray that you and I would, would, would love that individual that we are doing life with no matter if they look like us or not, if they talk like us, and just, and just really depict the, uh, the, the teaching and the love that, that, that Christ really began to lay out uh, in his earthly ministry. And we've been, we've been studying uh, this ministry, and we've entitled this series uh, simply just Jesus, and we've been looking at him through uh, the book of Mark, just going verse by verse through it. We've spent several weeks in Mark chapter number five. We're going to conclude that here this morning, and I want you to pick up in verse number 21 there of Mark chapter number five, and it says, and when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and so he left a crowd there in uh, Gadara, where he had just uh, healed and uh, literally rescued that man that was in the 
tombs at night cutting himself, and we looked at the just the uh, description of evil and what it does in a person's life, and they uh, they, they asked Jesus to leave, and so he left a crowd. He's gone over the Sea of Galilee, and now there's another crowd that's gathered, and he was nigh into the sea, and behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. We looked at his life last week, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood for 12 years. I find that interesting that, you know, she had this issue for 12 years, and Jairus' daughter was 12 years old. And so within that that year time frame that this woman would have uh, started this hemorrhaging, this blood issue, also Jairus' daughter would have been born. It's just, it's just, it's just interesting uh, to see uh, kind of just the, the, just the, 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 the depiction that Scripture gives us. Verse 26, And had suffered many things of many physicians, and spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. We have been in this chapter of chapter number five for uh, several weeks now, and it really is the location in which you and I live. It's where we, it's where we get up every Monday morning. This is the type of world that we go into work with uh, this week and uh, throughout this coming weekend and all of the things you and I, this chapter number five really does depict where you and I live. We talked last week as we overviewed this chapter of it is a world that has been dramatically broken by sin, where hard and difficult things that they are a regular human experience. This is just what you and I, uh, this is what you and I are going to experience. You have a father here that's facing the death of his little girl. Listen to me, that's not supposed to happen. Uh, children are not supposed to die, in a sense, be uh, before their parents. And you can embrace, once again, as we, as we ponder this, the, the helplessness of this man. As he's watching his little girl slip off into eternity, and there's absolutely nothing that he can do about it. Or it is a world in which you and I live where just the suffering of the physical things can be of a chronic nature that destroy even our lives and just the, reg- the, 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 the regularness of our lives. They shape everything you do. They shape everything that you face, like this woman that had this issue of blood. And so the best of human help was not even helpful. Sort of ironic comment here in this text that this woman that she'd suffered at the hands of many physicians for many years, and she'd really 
all she had gotten from it was poverty. If you are in the medical profession in here, do not take offense by the comments here of Mark. There was not a whole lot of, a lot of understanding of the pathology of disease in those days in which you and I have today. And so we saw that in the world in which you and I live in, that it's dramatically broken by sin. And the things that you and I are going to face, the, the hardships and the difficulties, it's just a regular human experience. And we also saw that it is a world where faith, that it's a war. Are you actually going to believe the radical claims of Jesus? Are you going to, are, are, are you going to stake your life on those claims? Will Jesus really be your hope? Will he be the functional lifeline for your every moment of every day, and it's going to impact the way you and I live. And you and I are going to be called to radical things. And we also saw that in this world that it is the place where the presence and power of Jesus resides. It's in the middle of this story of two people that would be extremely hopeless if Christ did not intervene. And we see this power and we see the compassion of Jesus. And last week we encountered this man by the name of Jairus. And if you recall, he is a, he's a ruler of the synagogue. Uh, he was a very well-known man. He would have been what you and I would kind of consider a, a, a deacon or an elder of a church in the vernacular in which you and I would maybe understand today. And you and I need to become uh, aware once again of in this religious world that he would have been serving and they would have kept uh, track of the law and all of that, that that, that, that that religious world had already turned against Christ. They had already made Jesus Christ its enemy. They had already deemed him as a blasphemer because he would have claimed to be the Son of God. And so this Jairus understanding of the world in which he is serving in, the world in which he is working in, you see in verse number 22, and behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed. And we see this, this radical, costly faith of this man. This man had much to lose because of how publicly now he's bowing before Jesus Christ and his world in which he lived in, the religious establishment, they had already deemed him as an enemy. And so as I asked you last week, and I want to ask you again this morning, what are you being called to do this week? What radical thing is God saying? Hey, I want you to, I want you to identify with Jesus this week. Where in your relationships, in your workplaces, is God saying, hey, I want you to display the kind of faith that doesn't worry so much about how you're going to be perceived? Are you going to be create, courageous this week as you're being called to that? Will you answer that call? And we looked at that last week. And then we're introduced in this text to this dear woman in the middle of the crowd. What an amazing description of her. We see in verse 25, and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. 
What a sad story. Sometimes the best of human intervention does not help. And as I said before, this was a, this was a day of not much medical understanding of the pathology of disease. And there was certainly a, a lesser understanding back then of what maybe you and I would call an intrusive surgery. It was not something that uh, they would have done and understood. In fact, one historian said one of the things that was suggested for a woman who was suffering like this woman was suffering is that she would carry a dried quail egg with her in a linen pouch. That if you had this hemorrhaging that this is what you would do. And so you could see how, you know, really, how is, that, how is that medicine? And again, this is not in any way to be offensive to someone that's in the medical nature. They just, they just didn't have an understanding of what we have today. And so no wonder she would have spent all her money and she had not arrived at any kind of solution for her uh, chronic suffering. We see in verse number 27, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For he said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Listen, just like Jairus, who would, in a crowd setting of a part of that religious culture now that had deemed Christ a blasphemer. They literally were plotting his death and his demise. And the, the, the costliness of him to literally come and bow down and worship at Christ's feet and literally cling to the hope in Christ. You see this woman doing something that is very radical, that is very costly. Because of the Levitical law, and you and I, you can, you can read about the Levitical law in uh, Leviticus 11 through 18. You can read all about it. But because of, that, because of that law, this woman, she would have been considered an outcast. This issue of blood would have made her unclean. And so her being a deemed unclean woman would not have been allowed to be participate in any type of synagogue service. In fact, she was not even allowed to be a part of normal society. She would have been placed in the category of a leper. And so this leper, they would have been, they would, a leprosy, a le they would always have to kind of go around and they'd put rags and scraping all of the, the nasty boils and things and they'd have to be you know, unclean, unclean. And so this woman would have been in that category based on the Levitical law of being unclean. And so she would have been despised. She was in all ways, hear me, an outcast. So it's an unthinkable act of courage for her to be in this crowd in the first place, let alone for her to get close enough to Jesus to touch his very garments. This woman, this woman's amazing in this text. I love the irrationality of it all. I love the, the courage and the hope and the action of this woman. She is determined. Somehow, some way, I'm going to touch the man of power. I've heard of him. I have, I've seen the effects of this man. His message is crossing the earth of, uh, of, of what he can do. And I'm going to get to this man. If only I can touch his garment. Why? Because there's no other hope for me. I believe there is a way in which true faith 
is always desperate because true faith recognizes the brokenness of this world. True faith recognizes, hear what I'm about to say, the brokenness of within. And true faith embraces that reality. And true faith runs to Jesus because we realize that we have no other hope. There's nowhere else to look. There's not any other answers. And that's why we must remember that you and I as neighbor lovers, that we're not offering people first a system of answers. We're not offering people first a system of wisdom. Listen to me, Christianity is not another philosophy on the shelf of philosophies, and it has some really good logic ideas to it. No, that is not what it is. At the center of Christianity is the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And you and I, we've got to understand that we believe in a Redeemer, and we're offering a world a Redeemer. And the Redeemer that is found in Jesus Christ can bring about the reformation that is needed in this broken and dying world. We, hear me, we have no ability in and of ourselves to change anyone. Change is always an act of grace. And that is why faith is so desperate. The biblical, radical, and desperate, the most radical and desperate of faith is only as good as its object. It's only as good as its object. Faith in and of itself does not save you. There will be people that are, you know, perseverant, lifelong faithers who are going to spend an eternity in hell because their faith was not in the person in work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith is only good as his object. And guess what? The woman, she chose the right object. What's your faith in this morning? If you're an unbeliever, your faith needs to start there in Christ. Believer, what's your faith in this morning? Is your faith in understanding everything? Is your faith in, you know, hey, I've, I've got a track record in this? Or is your faith, once again this morning, being found in the object and the person of Jesus Christ? Nothing was going to stop this woman. And I want to ask you this morning, what gets in the way of your faith? What stops you? Maybe a rough season of bad finances and you get depressed. And you begin to question the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Maybe it's a rebellious child who pushes you around the house, so to speak, and you begin to wonder if what God has called you to, the, the whole parenting idea, is, does God even know what he's doing? Or maybe it's a professor at the university that, that, that knows you're a Christian or is going to know that you are a Christian. And now they've made it their, 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 their calling in life to try to test you and to rattle you. What stops you from getting to Jesus? Too much traffic, a flat tire, someone finishes the box of cereal. <laughs> no, seriously, I mean, somebody, that's enough to just, just to make us mad. Sickness that you did not think you would have. But I ask you this morning, are you pressing through the crowd? Are you doing what is cost? Or are you questioning God? 
What does true faith look like? True faith realizes where its hope is. Are you saying, although there is no place in my life that looks like there's any hope, when I look around the circumstances of my life, I've had an issue of blood for 12 years, or my, my, my daughter is now dead, or this man that had this evil uh, possession within him and he's cutting himself and they can't even bind him with the chain. All of the realities of our world, and we look around that and we see there's no hope in that. Can you look through all of that and find your hope in your sustenance in Jesus Christ? And will you just but figuratively touch his garment this morning? Will you get to the place where you say, I'm not going to let anything stop my belief in Christ? Well, this woman, she, she does just that. She gets to Christ. She presses through the crowd. She presses through the, the cultural norms. Do you realize that loving your neighbor is not the cultural norm? Pressing through that, she comes to Christ and she touches him and Jesus perceives, he's all-knowing, he's God himself, he perceives that power has gone out of him. And you see this amazing account in verse 30, and Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples, they, got a really good, they have a really reasonable, awesome question. Here's what they say in verse 31. And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? Can I, can I interpret that for you? That'd be like, what are you talking about, Jesus? I mean, are you serious? There's like a thousand people here, and they've all touched you. And you're going to try to ask us, you know, who touched you? Well, listen, Jesus is interested in this. Because Jesus' work as a powerful, compassionate Messiah that we've been building for weeks now, he's not done in this woman. And he looks around and he, and he sees who's done this. And look at verse 32. And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Fearing. Trembling. Maybe she doesn't know if she's going to be reprimanded. What are you doing? You're unclean. You're despised. You're rejected. You're, you're, you're not one of us. For 12 years, she's had to be separate. And so now she's just she's heard that Jesus is here. She's heard that her only hope, the healer, the great physician, Whatever you want to call him, he's now in town, and I'm going to press through the crowd. I'm going to press through the cultural norms. It doesn't matter why, because i got to get to the source of my hope. What if I get rejected? What if I'm told there's no hope? What if I'm literally grabbed and thrown out of the city? Do you realize that that's what they would do? And yet, her fear, the right kind of fear, remember a couple of weeks ago, pushes through her awe and the amazement of who Jesus is, is able to push through the circumstances in her life, just like so many times we've seen here in Mark. 
And Jesus makes this declaration, verse 34. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now, I believe that Jesus is making this public declaration for two reasons. And I believe they really do reveal the compassionate, kind, and amazing heart of the Messiah. First of all, Jesus makes this declaration to the woman so that she would have internal peace. Jesus wanted her to actually believe. He wanted her to actually understand that, in fact, that God had acted on her behalf, that she literally was healed. And it is the same reason that God has given us His revelation in Scripture. It is so that you and I would know His character and so that you and I would know of His kindness and His compassion and His plan and His promises for us. It's so that you and I could go into Scripture and we can see that, that we, have a, we have a mighty, powerful Messiah. And so that you and I, although peace does not so much reside around us, it can reside within us. And so God has made this self-declaration to you so that every morning of every day in your life, you and I have reason for peace. Can I challenge you to get in to God's revelation to you every single day. Get into the Word of God. Read some of the Psalms and, and read some of the New Testament. And then as you begin to go through that, then start with the Old Testament and find the compassion and the love of Jesus. Be reassured of your identity in Him. Be reassured of His love for you and find the reason for peace. Get up in the morning, and as Solomon said, you and I would get new morning mercy, so to speak. Great is thy faithfulness, because every single morning, just as that sun rises, you and I have brand new mercies that are your way. Jesus wants this woman to know, hey, hey, you've been changed. You've been changed. Go in peace. But I believe there's a second reason. And the second reason, I believe, is Jesus is making this declaration publicly because he wants the crowd to hear that this woman is now clean. He makes this public declaration of her cleanness. You are healed. And again, we see such compassion from Jesus Christ. And in that moment, she begins to realize and she is released from the horrible life of alienation that has been her existence for the last 12 years. Jesus is publicly saying, she's clean. She doesn't have to live on the outskirts anymore. Hey, listen to me. If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you're clean. Don't be afraid to come to Christ. Don't be afraid to come into the body of Christ. Don't be afraid to gather on a Sunday. Listen, you and I in Christ, we are seated in the heavenlies. We are accepted in the, 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 the brethren. You and I, we've been declared holy. We've been declared righteous. Listen, you and I, we don't have to live on the outskirts anymore. Ryan, you don't, you don't know what kind of week I've had. Run to Christ. Ryan, you don't know what I've done this week. You don't know what I've done this month. Run to Christ. 
Ryan, you don't know what I, you don't know what I've thought. You don't know what I've struggled with. You don't know about my doubt with Christ. Run to him again this morning. Jesus. Kind. Compassionate. To this kind of world. It's a world that you and I live in. It's a world that's broken by sin and you will struggle. You will suffer. It's a world that your faith, it's a war. Am I really going to believe this? Ryan, you make it sound so simple on Sunday and then Monday comes. I get it. Trust me. It's a war. But it's into that broken world that God said, I'm going to send Jesus. I'm going to send the rescuer. I'm going to send the help. And it is found in him. There's some of you that are facing things in your life that you you never thought you'd face. You look out over your life and you see only gloom and doom. Could I encourage you to press through the crowd? This account, these accounts in Mark is a no is so so that you would know that your world has been invaded by this one who is glorious in compassion, glorious in power, and he cares about the fallen world. But as I said last week, it's not enough for him just to care about the fallen world. He actually cares about you. Remember that girl last week takes her by the hand. Jesus is on this grand redemptive work, and he cares about this one who is dying, dead. Takes her by the hand, and when she's, when she's healed, he's like, oh, by the way, hey, why don't you feed her too? I mean, praise God. We get to eat in a little bit. Amen? My stomach's been growling since 10 o'clock. I'm ready to go. Let's do it. He doesn't only care about the fallen world. He cares about you. He cares about where you live. He cares about your situations this week at work. Do you run to him? Do you press through the crowd? Or do you just blend in? Or do you say, you know what, I don't want to really identify with Jesus on the job because if I identify with Jesus on the job, or are you going to be willing to say, hey, you know what, it doesn't matter that I'm a ruler of the synagogue. I've got to get to the one that, need, that, that, that can help me. I don't care if I've got a disease. Oh, by the way, we all have a disease, and it's not all a physical disease. It's the disease of sin. And Jesus Christ is the only one that can fix that. So if you're a believer here, run to Christ. Get your help. Get your hope. Open up the Word tomorrow morning and Tuesday and learn who you are once again in Christ and be given the peace and the hope that you need. And if you are an unbeliever here this morning, realize that Jesus Christ is the only one that can forgive you of your sin. The only one that has the power to give deliverance from sin. And I would encourage you, as I encourage the believer, press through the crowd. Get to Christ. Jesus is magnificent in love, and he is expansive in power. This is your world. I know we wanted it easier, but it's not the world that God allowed you to remain in. And God kept you here after he saved you so that you and I can live in this world in its brokenness and be a part of, honestly, the, the, the human restoration of it. So can you, can you take some of these radical claims of Christ and live them out this week? I want you to love your neighbor this week. 
I mean, just radically think about it. If you're, if, if you're, if you're married, talk with your spouse. If, if just, just, just think about it. Sit down and be like, all right, hey, as a family, how can I love my neighbor? Now, obviously, I got, I got my neighbors here. We're speaking bigger than that. How can you love your neighbor? Luna, we do love you. And Ted, Ron in the back, we love you. But just the people in your life, how can you love them? How can you be radical? in your expression of love towards them. This is your world. And guess what? Even in the brokenness of this world, there is hope. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Let's pray.